It is another edition of the Chair Shot Podcast. The busy, busy schedule of your three hosts has been put aside for a moment so that we can come together and bring you another Whopper show on this WrestleMania weekend. Post-WrestleMania weekend, I guess. We've got two whole WrestleMania shows to discuss. Uh, which we will get to later on in the show. We have got the finale of Quit That Infernal Bracket. The latest uh, the latest triumph from one Paul Griffin. Um, and uh, we've got a whole host of the other usual goffs and fun and games uh, as well, uh, including... Uh, life guff, but why even bother talking about it? Because there's no life anymore. So, um, so I guess by the purely technical sense, we have lived a life, lads. Is that right? Yeah. I have not died. That's about it. Well, thank God we had WrestleMania. Um, to, to amuse us this week. Smiles on faces. Take you out of whatever you're thinking about and just watch some people in a warehouse have a roll around for a bit. Um, but we'll get to that in a bit. Alrighty, you know what? We can we can just jump straight into the various goffs here because we actually have quite a lot to to discuss, including you know like eight hours of WrestleMania. Um, so let's just jump into it. Who's been watching telly this week? Um, all three of us, all fucking day. I would imagine. <laughs> fucking loads of it, mate. <laughs> Fourteen hours a day. Colors. <laughs> That's not true, actually. Uh, yesterday, Michelle and I sat out the garden for about six hours because the weather mm. was nice. And we both read books. Oh, Ooh. fucking nerds. I'm going to read a book. Garden. Um, no, lots of telly as well. Mainly watched uh, Netflix documentary uh, Tiger King. Mm. Um, people have watched by now. Um, it's the only way to keep up with all the latest memes. You know, if you're not yeah. watching all the Netflix documentaries, you're basically out of the conversation. Um, so burned through that uh, on Saturday. Um, interesting, very, very shocking, interesting, exploitative uh, documentary about this fella who owns loads of tigers in Oklahoma. Um, adding to the list of famous Oklahomans uh, that I currently know, which is JR, uh, Danny Hodge, Jack Swagger, and now Joe Exotic. <laughs> Um, the Mount Rushmore of Oklahoma entertainment. <laughs> uh, a list well. of upstanding gentlemen, if ever there was one. Yeah. You've uh, finished it yet, Barry? Yes, yeah, I finished it. Uh, Paul, have you watched any of this? No, I'm doing that thing where I am, you know, a year behind all the trends, and I'll, I'll watch it in a year and go, oh my god, have you guys heard about this Tiger Man? So no. Paul's watching Making a Murderer right now. I mean, to reinforce my point, I spent the week watching Marvel's X Men cartoon. So, well, that's 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 so long ago that that's now nostalgia, you know. Yeah. Have you guys heard about Uh, this X Men? By the way, let me tell you, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I I watched uh, uh, Tiger King as well. I haven't finished. 
Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts? Um, it, it's interesting. It has that very Netflix thing now where they withhold a lot of information so that they can put in twists later on. Mm. Um, which is which I don't think any self-respecting documentary maker would have done in the past if it is yeah. something that's definitely uh, become more kind of apparent uh, in these sort of modern modern documentaries that kind of uh, are a bit more fictionalized a bit more straddle the line between kind of reality TV and documentaries um, but it's still you know great entertainment nonetheless uh, this Joe exotic guy very compelling character uh, reminded me a little bit of a uh, friend of the show, Scotland Rocks. Um, don't know if anyone else got that vibe, but very kind of f- flamboyant southern man uh, with a blonde mullet uh, and a big moustache. And um, if it kind of follows him, he uh, is constantly getting in trouble. He has this feud with this woman, Carol Baskin, mm. who owns a, a tiger enclosure herself. But she is supposedly it's more of a it's a refuge for tigers rather than like a zoo or a kind of entertainment thing. But she's also making money off showing people the tigers, so it's a bit of a grey yeah. area. Like mm. who's the goodie, who's the baddie here? Although a lot of people online seem to really hate her. And I didn't quite get <laughs> quite get that vibe. Like she's quite annoying. And she did potentially murder her husband. But apart from that, you know, what else has she done? Um, you know, slate is clean as far as I can see. Um, I do find it interesting how kind of you know the memification of Joe Exotic after all of the stuff that came out in the show, um, the kind of cult-like atmosphere, the mistreatment of animals, um, various crimes that were committed, he has immediately become you know a meme, a T-shirt, uh, which is quite disturbing. Um, I kind of think if Charles Manson was around now. His <laughs> He, his face would be all over t-shirts and memes like people would just turn him into a, a sideshow character uh netflix presents cult guy <laughs> small charlie that's what they're called <laughs> um but yeah but a great show and apparently there's another episode coming out soon which uh mm. kind of follow up mm. i look look forward to that yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I found like the story at the core of it is obviously um, uh, fascinating. You've got this feud between these um, these wildlife preserves, but there's all these weird micro stories in the midst of it. Like, I feel like there probably could have been a documentary about Doc Antle as well. Um, there's a lot of casual dropping in of the fact that all these little zoos are run like little cults. Um, uh, and there's been a, lo- a lot of grooming-esque behavior going on in both the big one, the big two zoos, and even that wildlife, uh, Carol Baskin's facility, where she has, like, dozens of volunteer, quote-unquote volunteers working full-time jobs for no money. Just, like, just tons and tons of little micro-stories amidst the, the, the big Joe Exotic arc. Um, but yeah, the yeah the the Netflix style. I I don't know. I feel like it it, it kind of wore on me, um, uh, or or rather, it has been wearing on me. And this felt like the straw that broke the the camel's back. Um, uh, it, it just in the sense of uh, yeah, what you mentioned about you know information kind of being withheld. Like the first half of the. Um, uh, the first half, or not the first half, the first couple of episodes are very much 
pushing Joe Exotic as this, you know, oh, he's a bit eccentric, but, you know, he's a good guy who runs a nice, nice little zoo and he loves the animals. And the second half is very much portraying a, a realer, more nastier side of him. But that's not because more information has been learned. It's just it's they just lay on the production so thick. It's the difference between the happy music and the sad music in the background, you know, um, and and things like that. Uh, and yeah, just the, the, the format of, of the Netflix documentary, like everything has to be framed like a narrative work of fiction. Do you know what I mean? And and, and has to yeah. lead into the next episode. I and even the vibes of um, Homer Simpson Batman with some of the editing where it's like he'll say something about Carol Baskin and then it'll cut to a shot of her kind of laughing and it's like <laughs> she's clearly not laughing at what he just said. This is just really a dodgy editing. Like, yeah, they don't give a shit. And when they're when they're out like when they're showing the sequence where basically a bunch of people make this allegation of murder against her, they've got footage of her in slow motion yeah. working through her park with the B-roll of her tigers that she allegedly fed her husband to, and it's just like it's so it's so over the top. Um, and you know, it's just it's just yeah, it's, it kind of feels a little bit shameless. Um, uh, to the point, and, and the show in a lot of ways feels like it feels less real than something like Trailer Park Boys, which is fake. Um, uh, and, and yeah, but it's I mean it's it's undeniably compelling, um, and I will certainly check out the next episode, um, uh, whatever that is. But you know, uh, just full of arseholes, and just every time a new character is introduced, who is some dickhead who also owns twelve cats. <laughs> big cats i'm like god fuck all these people um so yeah so so that's that's something to be to to consider um uh uh, if you are sensitive at all to that kind of thing but uh yeah certainly a, a, a unique watch for sure um similarly on the uh on the netflix documentary front um i i watched the second season of uh sunderland till i die on netflix Um, Barry watches football stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the football correspondent now. It's all in my hands. <laughs> the, the other the other two have no stuff to watch, so I I I get the gig. Um, it's funny though, because so this is obviously a much more uh, by the numbers bread and butter British. Uh, style of documentary. The other, I mean, Tiger King is just so American. It's just so American in, in the way it's put together. Whereas this is, um, uh, you know, uh, way more linear, uh, to, to say the least. In a sense, uh, it's the UK office versus the US office. It's it's kind of like that, yeah. Or I remember my first, the first time I kind of became aware of just how different territories produce television. Was I remember the first time I saw American Big Brother, mm. and it's like the 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 UK Big Brother is like, Daisy, Craig is picking his nose in the kitchen, and <laughs> and it's like you know um, they've got like no background music and they've you know obviously there's still there's still questionable editing going on there always is until in reality TV but it's very much just here's here's the footage of these people having a you know bickering about you know who ate the last loaf of bread. Uh, in the kitchen and then the american one it's got like the background music from wwe music videos uh <laughs> and, and smash cuts and explosion effects it's just completely ridiculous and, and that's and that's a divide that is still very real in, in, in the, the philosophies of documentary making today but yeah sort of like i mean season one i thought was, was great i thought season two honestly even better um 
so following their 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 relegation to to League One at the end of the last season, they had a upper management. Uh, well, they sold the entire club, and so they had a whole uh, host of new figures in uh, in the upper management of the of the entire club. And let me tell you, lads, uh, if you are making a documentary, you could not have asked for better Brenty personalities. Um, uh, then, then these guys uh, half Brent, half like those assholes on The Apprentice who think they are Alan Sugar and are oh, just way too good. Oh, it's great! But even, but like, even I think I, 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 it's an excellent, excellent season of TV. It's so well produced in terms of uh, conveying what's happening and being informative. It's it's beautifully shot. It's got a great score. But even a little bit of that Netflix, uh, net, this the 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 cliffhangers are in there as well. It's a little bit kind of cringy because the rest of it doesn't feel like that kind of show. Um, you know, there's there's a, a it's just like the first season. A pretty big arc in the middle of the of the season is the the January transfer window and. There's, you know, it's literally a cliffhanger on one episode that's immediately revealed at the beginning of the next episode because you can't really drag it out any longer uh, uh, than you than than that. But there's one crucial signing that's not that's kind of left on a cliffhanger until until episode four or something like that. But that aside, uh, I, I thought it was it was excellent again. Uh, just a, a really, it's just a great great profile of a city as well. And then the the they interview all kinds of fans, but they have a core set who they kind of they follow through the two seasons who you kind of see more than the others and they're just they're really really great um in terms of just uh grounding you in in that city and, and in those uh those buildings for the for the games uh so yeah thumbs up again on that uh hope they keep losing for the rest of the time so we can get great documentaries <laughs> out of us uh i saw one um, clip yeah, thumbs of up it. On that. um i saw one clip from it which was very very funny where they were discussing about the music they play when the team comes out for a game. Yes, yeah. Ah, tremendous. Because the the, the uh, there's... go on, Barry. Go on. Well, sorry, sorry. The, the 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 new the new. I can't remember what his official title is. He's like a managing director or something like that. Um, is is uh, what's the old song they had? I can't remember what it was. It was um um. I can't remember what it was, but he basically wants to replace their the song the 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 footballers come out to to like is it Tiesto? <laughs> yeah, it's like the you know it's it's just atmospheric, um, not necessarily uh, no like the X Factor style music is what it is. Uh, like, yeah, we want to replace that with like intense house music. Cause like, yeah, you know, the lads with the flat music. He's like, that song, that's a boring, boring song. You gotta have, you know, excitement. And people are like, well, the fans are used to that song. They like that song. No, no, change the change of the club. Oh, fool. And, and yeah, it's just a bunch, a bunch of people in suits sitting around looking a bit. Mm, 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 mm. Um, and that's the, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of that in the first half of the season as well there's a lot of uh, or the season of television um the the there's a lot of um um 
like it, this guy giving it giving it the big guns and and all this and just really butting heads in very very awkward scenes with like corporate communications and stuff like that because they're trying to um they're not just it's not just about you know getting a new manager in and shuffling the team up they're trying to you know re not rebrand necessarily but re-energize the brand and trying to get certain publicity things going it's just very very interesting and it also um uh also just really makes you think about the the inner workings uh, of of a major football team it's it's great it's really really great i, I think you, i think you guys would would enjoy it a lot um those have been the the new shows i watched this week do you guys watch anything else well i was watching this documentary um about a lad who you know he has a, a yeah a blonde mullet keeps tigers there's apparently a woman that she might might have or might not have murdered her husband and fed him to tigers. It's called Marvel Comics X Men. Ooh! Um, all these weird lads. They're they're mutants, actually. I don't want to spoil the uh, <laughs> the premise, but uh, like <laughs> a human's not going to have hair like that, so you can kind of see where it's going, you know. Um. Mm. Well, I've seen all the X Men movies, and I own most of them. Which ones don't I own? I don't have the new one, obviously, Dark Phoenix. I don't know if I even have Apocalypse. I probably do. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be in a rush to get that one. No, uh, maybe if one of my tables gets a short leg and I need exactly the width of a DVD to keep it level, I might uh, splash out on that one. Um, but I never, I'd never really watched the cartoon. I've probably seen a handful of episodes. But um, the X-Men cartoon episodes, in my mind at least, were never really standalone. They're always very serialized. Kind of like the, um, do you know the 60s Batman Adam West show? Yeah. It would always end on a cliffhanger. And then by the next episode that you get around to watching is a different story completely. You go, well, but how did he get out of the pit of acid, though? That was always my experience with X-Men. So, uh, so I was on Disney Plus. Started giving it a watch, and uh, I watched the first maybe seven episodes of it, and it's good because it's it definitely has a very comic booky feel. So I don't know to what extent the storylines are derived directly from the comics or whatever, but like there are, there's like a Days of Future Past arc and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, mm. okay, um, the Wolverine character. And more so, the voicing of the Wolverine character in the cartoon is like my favorite thing, because it's like Hugh Jackman, especially in the later films, played him kind of very gruff and very uh, standoffish. But in the, <laughs> the cartoon, it's like ten times the amount. So there's one bit where um, Xavier has Sabretooth in the facility, right? Because Sabretooth is like dying or whatever. Yeah, and Xavier is like, no, we can save him and turn him good and all that. And Wolverine, just because he doesn't like him, uh, chops off the like heart monitor cables that were set up, to, plugged into <laughs> him or whatever, and starts wheeling the bed, the not only Sabretooth but the entire bed out of the room. And they're like, Wolverine, he's near death. You have to leave him. He goes, near death, <sighs> not near enough. I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. It's like Dirty Harry in Wolverine form. He's great. He's just a complete prick. Very entertainingly so. Um, the cartoon overall is a bit crap. But, uh... Wolf really? Wolverine is an endless well of joy. It's very... 
it's very like um, Ninja Turtles in like for in its production first of all it looks very like the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon of the early 90s uh, mm. I, like I'm still in season one I'm still in the very very early days I think it went for like five seasons um it's 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 definitely a little kid skewed more so than something like maybe the Batman animated series um but um yeah a lot of the characters are just very annoying like Jubilee is just very annoying um the Cyclops that, yeah. Cyclops uh Jean Grey Wolverine love triangle is mentioned very early on I assume that's going to be something that plays out over the course of the entire series but um, Wolverine for some reason keeps a photo of Jean uh, Grey and Cyclops and just looks at it <laughs> would he not have a photo that Cyclops wasn't in maybe I don't know um, no I mean it's 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 crappy in the sense of like it's objectively crappy but it's it's kind of campy and fun nonetheless and that theme song is Ooh, gets the hair standing on the the ends every time. Give me the give me the Dwayne Johnson goosebumps. Um, and every time I see Xavier, I expect to hear little Patrick Stewart, uh, Stewart's voice, and of course it isn't. He's got like a little American voice in this one, but uh, no, it's it, it's it's all right. It's a bit of crack, and the episodes are very short, so I get through them pretty quick. Um, but that's all I've been watching. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to check this out now, because I have fond memories of it, but I'm interested to hear your take. Well, that's, um, the, the thing is that I don't really have nostalgia for it, because I never right, watched it okay. that much when I was a kid. So. It's fun. It's fun enough. And it, it's fun from the point of view of watching it with really only having as a kind of basis uh, of, of knowledge about the storylines uh, being the films. You know, so every point of reference that I have for the TV show now is from the films. Where I'm like, oh, that's that character from X Men Origins Wolverine or whatever, or that's that this this character from The Last Stand. And so that's really my because I never read any of the comics. I only read uh, saw very little of the TV show. So that's that's what's interesting more so to me. There's kind of no real nostalgia for it. But like all things with nostalgia, you'll probably like it more if you really liked it as a kid. Mm. Yeah, I'm enjoying this the Spider-Man thing, but I'm I'm wondering how much of that is skewed by the fact that like it's it was legit, legitimately my favorite thing growing up. Um, so yeah, but um, anything else on Disney Plus for you at the moment? Uh, not TV series wise, no. Or movies, which we'll get to later on, of course. Alrighty, uh, I started my rewatch of Gravity Falls. Oh yeah, what a show! Now I know, I know you love the Gravity Falls. I've bigged up the Gravity Falls in the past. Uh, I never finished it, uh, unfortunately. I'm I'm very excited to do that because I I've started rewatching this and who baby, what a television show! Let me tell you. Um, and it's funny because I started I, I was reading up about it. Um, uh, after I started rewatching it, because I was like, I remember really enjoying the show when I first watched it, but I was watching it back and you know, having the comfort of watching it um, uh, 
uh, you know, at home on the nice streaming service, not having to get any get a fucking link from this fucking website, which is why I kind of stopped watching to begin with. There was nothing sure. to do with the show's quality. Uh, but sitting there watching it, and I, I was reading about it after the fact, and it, it like made the most sense to me in the world to read to read that the you know Alex Hirsch is massively inspired by Peak Simpsons because I, I this show is so like Peak Simpsons, it's actually crazy to me for you know uh, legitimately a you know a, a kids show on on disney it's so rapid fire with the jokes that it's um that it's that it's crazy now the other thing i'm watching on disney plus is actual peak simpsons which i think is <laughs> making this making this contrast even clearer to me their, their similarities but also reminding me that that uh the Simpsons at its peak it remains untouched, and I you you've never seen a show move at a clip like season five, six, seven Simpsons. It's it's absolutely insane. But uh, Gravity Falls, oh my god, it's just it's hilarious. It's charming. It's just it's gorgeously animated. Watching it on the telly in, in lovely crystal clear HD, oh, it looks tremendous. It really, really does. Um, it's great, and I, I can't wait to, to really finish it and um, and dive in. And I think I, I I think there's some extras of it on on Disney Plus, so I'll I'll, I'll tinker around with those as well. But yeah, tremendous stuff. The, but what's the, the what's Disney- great about it as well is not only that it's funny um, and great looking. But also that it works also, I'm using the word also too much now, it works on a kind of Twin Peaks mystery level as well on top of that. Yeah. So you have like legitimate intrigue from like a proper mystery show and it's a cartoon for kids and it's funny. I don't know. Now I know know that Michelle loves it as well. Joe, you haven't been talked into watching it yet, no? (laughs) No, I've seen some of it. Okay. Um, it, was a f- it was a few years back. I think it was. Uh, God, when was that? I can't even remember. But yeah, we watched probably a whole season of it. Ah. Yeah, and I did really, I did really like it. Um, so we will be doing a watch through of that. At it is time. only two seasons long, is what people. Is it? It, 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 it? But it was so truncated, or not truncated, but like fragmented. It aired over the course of like four or five years, but there's only like forty episodes of oh, it. It only, it only ran for two seasons. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and then a movie as well? No. Well, there was a, a three-part finale. Oh, special. Yeah. Special. Okay, yeah. Hmm. It was ah, so good. Definitely, um, definitely one that I'll be revisiting at some point. Yeah. Uh, and I reckon that is our Telegoff for the week. Yeah. Uh, with that, we can move into the music guff. Yes, I listened to an album. Not necessarily a new one, though. It's one from 2007. Um... But yeah, last week I was listening to what was the thing I talked about last week was the like death metal uh saxophone mix me, genre mixing of Rivers of Nile. Um I listened to a, a very good hip hop album this week. Mm. Um cuz I know Barry you've recommended me stuff like Mac Miller, Brockhampton mm. which I've enjoyed to varying uh, degrees but this is one that i really really enjoyed this is kind of more up my alley hip-hop wise in that it's very kind of although although it's um west coast it has kind of an east coast sound to it it's it's very kind of soul derived feels kind of at points like kind of jay-z inspired 
Um, it's I should say what it is first of all. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, that's my review. Um, it's an album called Below the Heavens by uh, Blue and Exile, which is a a hip hop duo, a, a rapper and a producer. Blue is a rapper, Exile is a producer who's worked with like Aloe Black and other acts like that. Um, but yeah, liked pretty much every song on it. Um, it doesn't have that. Um, so this is why it's nice to take a step back because it doesn't have that modern rap style that everybody seems to have. Um, I don't know who who started that, but you know the that's that like rhythm to the rap. So it, it's much more um, mid two thousand sounding, but like it's it's really really great. Um, highly recommend for people haven't heard of it or heard it. Um, but like a really really great um, like I say soul derived um, when it comes to like the the beats Uh, really great sound really really enjoyed it Uh, Blue and Exile is the group and the album's called Below the Heavens and it was great stuff yeah highly recommend Barry might be one for you yeah I don't think the list got nothing but time it was real good it was one on Spotify where I had the little mouse on the um, like button and was clicking it for almost every track. I was listening to it while I was doing work at home. It was really good. Uh, that was the music off for the week. Uh, jump into the game, Goff. We have the horrible bastard bunny in Animal Crossing. I don't like him. Oh, every uh, time you fish, it's an egg. Oh, I don't want an egg. I don't like actual Easter. All the items uh, you can make from the eggs look like shite. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the oh, and it's like the only reason to make them is to give them to the little rat, and I can't find him anymore. He's not on my island anymore. What do you want from me, sir? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm still checking in the old Animal Crossing. Um, still tipping away and it progress is slowed a little bit because I got all the big things but I haven't quite got the you know how to make the paths and stuff like that right. I don't have enough money to do any of the real shuffle the buildings around I don't have the money to do any of that stuff yet but uh, yeah, you know, it's, at the end of the day it's Animal Crossing so there's no race yeah. so uh, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just uh, plucking away at it and I'm having a, a grand old time I have uh, just today got a three star um, town so I've okay. got the uh, what do you want to say the uh, the the WrestleMania ladder match of Animal Crossing towns, um, and that means KK Slider is coming tomorrow to do a concert. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, the KK Slider, the one and only Naked Dog with a guitar. Um, what else? Yeah, like like you, I guess progress has slowed a little bit but that's because i've been kind of i'm not expanding my house i've uh been trying to build bridges to make it easier to get around <laughs> so i don't have to use that stick the whole time i want to cross the river and uh, need to build some uh inclines as well because i have a, a villager now whose house is up on top of a hill and there's no way to get up to him or for him to get down without using a ladder but um not still like I, I was looking at my Switch there. I've passed 35 hours now. Oh, wow. For a game that only came out two weeks ago. Uh, so it's, it's going pretty well. Um, was there any, any other major events happened in the last week in it? 
No, obviously this annoying patch. Although they brought out a patch which is apparently reduced a little bit the amount of eggs. Because every time you fucking... A fossil? Great. No, it's an egg. Uh, fish? Not egg. Apparently it's le- going to be less eggy for the next week. Um mm. No, I've been just like the 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 main, I guess, story mode, if you want to call it that. Challenge lately has been to increase the star rating of my town so that KK can come. So I, I believe then other story things open up to do. So that's what I've been working on the last few while, uh, last little while. You have to like put flowers around your town, build fences in your town, um, tidy up all the shit, which I had been really bad at doing. Like the the upper upper uh layer if you want to collect the the what you call it the hill the top of the hill let's say uh full of weeds never bothered me whole cleaning that up so i spent <laughs> i spent a while picking up weeds the last day um getting a certain amount of villagers i have like nine villagers now um so yeah enjoying it um visited some people's town got all the fish in that got the snapping turtle uh, yesterday he's in my museum now uh, yeah uh, apart from Animal Crossing I finished Twilight Princess uh, HD on the Wii U uh, oh what a game fucking loved it it was brilliant uh, a vastly underrated Zelda game um, really 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 enjoyed it uh, 100% of it got all the items all the collectibles which i although i'd beaten before i'd never done that before um 31 hours it took me so it wasn't too bad um but yeah i mean if anyone has a a console that has twilight princess Mm. on it which unfortunately at the moment is limited to gamecube wii or wii u uh oh wow what an excellent game if that comes to switch people should snap that right up it's so good i loved it um and so because i enjoyed it so much i'm staying on the zelda train for the time being because i've gone straight into what a lot of people consider the best game ever it's zelda ocarina of time for the nintendo 64 now let me tell you luckily i still have my nintendo 64 set up so I went for the authentic experience of playing not the 3DS, not the 3DS remake, not the Wii Virtual Console version or the Wii U Virtual Console version, because I still have my copy of Ocarina of Time. I set it mm. up, plugged it in, and off I went. Uh, turns out, uh, it, first of all, it crashed on me, and then second of all, oh. the little battery in the cartridge must be gone because it didn't save my progress either. So uh, oh. I am playing the Wii U Virtual Console version, it turns out. Uh, which is also for the better because I connect my Nintendo 64 to the uh, TV via a SCART cable. And the, of course the Wii U is connected by a HDMI. Uh, uh, playing an N64 through the SCART cable is eye-bleedingly horrible to look at uh the text is all like interlaced and framey and it oh the textures look like shite uh hurt my eyes to play frankly and then when i played on the uh, on the wii u you know all the polygons are much sharper of course textures aren't any better but uh at least i can read the text now 
uh, looks way way better easier to play um, the funny thing though is there's this, this one like I, I, I'm going through it at a pretty fast rate I'm already I would say maybe a tenth through it um, but there's this one little mini game early on that I just can't fucking do because the N64 you know god love it with it's really primitive uh, analog stick uh, wasn't made for like twitchy precise controls and so there's this one little mini game where you have to shoot the coins with your little slingshot and it's fucking impossible even with the Wii U controller because you you barely touch the controller and Link does a 45 degree turn you're like no that's not where I want to aim and so uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to 100% this game because I'll probably have to spend 5 hours doing that little mini game until I can do it <laughs> Um but yeah, I haven't played Ocarina of Time in, in a while. It's another one that I've beaten, I think, more than once, but I've never 100%ed, so I'm going to use a guide and get all the um, pieces of heart and all the sculptulas and all the different collectibles. Uh, and then once I beat that, I'll probably go on to Majora's Mask, uh, and then I'll probably go to Wind Waker, and then I'll probably restart Breath of the Wild, which is going to be the biggest... Uh, um, task of it all because beating Breath of the Wild again is probably going to take me as long as beating the other four combined um, but it's nice to revisit the N64 games uh, they're still up there on the Wii U virtual like I know I'm like one of the five people in the world who has a Wii U but um, <laughs> well, well, that, that one's on the 3DS as well So it is it is I actually have it on the 3DS but we gave a lend of it to um, a friend of the family so I actually don't have it at the moment um, but uh, it's, yeah, Majora's Mask and uh, Ocarina of Time are up on the Wii U Virtual Console for a tenner each, which isn't that bad at all. That's very good. So I got the two of them for twenty euro. Um, it's strange though, like with the Switch, as as big a hit as it's been, that's kind of the one blind spot. Is you have, of course, you have all the NES. Well, not all of them, but all the main NES games, all the main Super Nintendo games. If you have that uh, Nintendo Online. No Nintendo 64 games on it, though. And no means to get them. You can't buy them if you want to. They're just not there. But they're on the Wii U Virtual Console. Why can't they just be put on the Switch Virtual Console? I don't know. But um, presumably, because they're going to... Once they run out of good Super Nintendo games, they're going to have to put move to Nintendo 64. But um, also rumors of a... Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario 64 bundle coming out later this year, which I'm definitely interested in if that's happening. Because I love Mario 64. Any excuse to play through that again, and I will. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. What about you, Barry? Uh, I took the time that we have at the moment to uh, restart two games that I had started last year and immediately fallen off of um, Outer Worlds and Resident Evil 2 and I realized I wasn't that far into them because I've already overtaken my progress from where I was the last time I played (laughs) uh, and they are both quite good I'm enjoying them a lot, Resident Evil 2 is fantastic it's absolutely fantastic um, uh, and I'm, I'm progressing a bit better. I, I I did contemplate loading up my old save, and then I realized I had just really properly shagged myself the last time I played that game, and I gave myself no resources, and so now I'm doing a bit better. Um, yeah, Outer Worlds is great. 
Outer Worlds, um, I'm really breezing through it. I don't know what my issue was last time, but um, really, really burning through it now. Uh, getting lots of missions done. I'm, I'm really, I'm really doing that thing where you just do all the missions before you leave an area. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of leaving the story stuff to last. Yeah. Because I'm enjoying the side content. I think all the characters are well written, and I'm, you know, leveling up my character. Um, which one of the things I I, I often uh, had an issue with when it came to the actual Fallout games was that I just I didn't really find them that compelling to to actually play as shooters. And while uh, Outer Worlds isn't you know like Doom or anything like that, it's 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 fun enough to play in that regard. So uh, enjoying the both of those, but uh, nothing, uh, no new releases or anything this week for me. I mean, I'm a huge Fallout guy. Um, never played. Uh, what's the six, 66 is that the <laughs> with the online one they, I don't remember what it's called the online one never, never played the online one have no interest in fucking online play um, but Fallout 4 Fallout 3 Fallout New Vegas loved them all and um, I loved Outer Worlds I will say having beat it over when did I beat it over Christmas I guess um, it's not really stuck with me as much as the Fallout games did Um I guess because you know it is much shorter and uh, it's m- much more fleeting of an experience. Um, mm. But yeah, I, d- I don't know why. Like I, I have much fonder um, memories of Fallout Four, even though it might very well be the case that while playing Outer Worlds, I I enjoyed Outer Worlds more. But like, it just for whatever reason, hasn't su- hasn't stuck with me like the Fallout games did. Maybe that'll. Um, work out for the better because it means i can give it a a replay down the line and it won't be as fresh in my mind <laughs> as fallout will be even though it'll be longer since i've played fallout obviously than outer worlds but um yeah that de- definitely uh a great time for it to come out as well because you know bethesda take a decade to put out between games in their series so it was like a little a little fallout expansion with uh, better writing and better graphics so yeah although I, w- I will say again as fun as it is and as good as it is uh to me it just kind of ends out of nowhere and it doesn't it doesn't have a proper climax that would be maybe one of my biggest critiques mm. of it but like while playing it i loved that the areas weren't so big I love that you had just these like town hub worlds to explore and they felt very real and like everyone had something going on that you could, you know, get your your teeth into. Yeah, it was great. Alrighty. Uh we can move on to the next golf, which is movie golf. Quiet movie golf there this week. Who's watched a movie? Uh me. Am I the only one? one. I think so. I haven't watched anything. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll quickly burn through. Uh we watched the Grand Budapest Hotel again. Um which I really enjoy and think is is really brilliant. Um I'm a big Wes Anderson fan anyway. I I don't think I don't think I've disliked any of his films. Uh but I think Grand Budapest is probably up near the top for me. I think it's uh I think it's really funny. It's really Weird, because we watched this w- with my parents on ooh, which night was it? Friday night or Saturday night? And um, I, I they never seen a Wes Anderson film, and I didn't let on that this film was gonna be anyway weird or unique. 
and uh, I was watching it just thinking, God, if you've got into this completely blind, you must be thinking, what is going on? <laughs> this is one of the strangest films I've ever seen. Because um, the 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 way it's written, like the, the dialogue is simultaneously very kind of hoity-toity, but like full of swears as well. So it, it kind of was... Ray, Ray Fiennes, who's like the lead in, is so great. He'd be like... Very hoity-toity, and then we go, oh, fuck off, asshole! <laughs> it's like it's a, it's just such a fun, great caper. It's got elements of like mystery to it, which I love. Um, it's shot very. It's like maybe the most Wes Anderson-y of his films visually. It's like super, super flat. Um, everything is shot at like chin level. In, in in flat 90 degree shots there's no dutch angles there's n- not many close-ups um but like it looks fantastic it's uh it's got like an incredible cast i you know ray fines um who else is in it tilda swinton um what's your man's name goldblum um jeff jeffrey jeffrey it's got um Fucking blanking all the names now. I can only picture their faces. Okay, hang on. I'm gonna do a quick roll call of people who are in this film from 2013, which most people will have probably already seen. 2014. Okay, starring <clears throat> Ray Fiennes, Tilda Swinton, Ad- Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Saoirse Ronan, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Tom Wilkinson, Bill Murray, Ed Norton, Jason Schwartzman, Owen Wilson. Uh, Owen Wilson. <sighs> wow. Uh, so yeah, it's got a real good cast. It's real fun. Um, I don't know if, if people haven't seen it, but they've seen uh, Knives Out. It might be something akin to that style. It's not necessarily a murder mystery, but it's got that kind of style to it, that whimsy. Uh, it's just real fucking good. It's great. Uh, we also watched on D- Disney Plus Tangled, which is a movie that I've not seen. It's, yeah, me either. It's the Rapunzel one. All um, right. Long gone are the days where they would simply name the film after the fairy tale of which it has been stolen from. Um, so it's a, it's a Rapunzel story, and it is definitely uh, a more girly film um, in the sense of you know, like I've seen fil- like I've seen films that I've kind of not enjoyed um, because I kind of just just specifically said look this this just isn't targeted at me and that's fine and this was a girly film that i could kind of I, like i enjoyed anyway because it is very like very sweet um funny um excuse me uh so yeah i mean it's the rapunzel story uh the 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 you know, the mean old woman steals the baby away, keeps her up in the tower, and her hair goes all long, and all of that. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of really, it was really, really fun. Um, good songs in it, looked good. Might have been a rumor, unsubstantiated. Uh, that a little tear did happen at the end. I can neither oh, confirm, yeah. Barry. I can neither confirm nor deny that that happened. But um, I'm gonna have to speak to my sources on that one. No, well, let me tell you, there'll be no Ryan Satin investigations into that. <laughs> um, you won't see that on WWE backstage. Um, 
No, it was good. It was good. I, I think I went a, a three star on it. It was very much like my Animal Crossing town. Um, it was good. It was good. So that's two um, with that one and uh, Emperor's New Groove. Two of those um, late 2000, early 2010s, I guess, uh, Disney films that were they were good. You know, they were good. Enjoyed them. Hmm. That's all the movies I watched this week. And that's all the movies any of us watched this effing week. Because we hate movies now, baby. Um, so, with that, we can jump in to the emails. Well, we, we, we. I'm a Frenchman. I have my emails now. Uh, I have an email here from... Scott, the boy, McAvoy, he says, good afternoon, Barry. With both AEW and WWE holding shows with empty arenas, do you think some of the wrestlers are having flashbacks to their indie days? I know Triple H said, said none of the performers are being forced to be there, but do you think some of the ones on the lower end of the card feel like it might be held against them if they didn't show up? Roman is safe, but if Tony Nese isn't there, is he in the future? I, th- I think that's an interesting point. I think, um, I think the story that the Observer had, which obviously came directly from AEW, we know that much, uh, was that Tony Khan was stressing to people that if they didn't want to be there, they did not have to be there. But you you can always say that kind of thing, but in, in practice, in wrestling, it's a completely different thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a decent amount of people kind of felt obligated to be there. Um, uh, the, uh, with uh, on regards to that, because I don't, you know, uh, I don't know if we were going to talk about it in the news, but it seems like both companies now have a lot of stuff in the can for what it's worth. Um, AEW allegedly is taped up through double or nothing. So um, we'll see. Scott goes on here. He says, I've been hitting some of the oddball movies on Netflix lately. And and the one that made me laugh louder than it should was the loss of pastor with, He's a oh Scott sorry Scott elaborates here. He's a pastor who is a velociraptor, and yes, it's as bad as you think, but still worth checking out. I've heard of this. Any odd? Yeah, I, I might add that to the list. We got we got a long couple of weeks ahead here. Uh, any oddball or B movies that you and the lads have checked out or been recommended lately? Have a good week and stay safe, Scott. Scott, thank you very much for emailing. Stay safe as well. I hope all's well in in your neck of the woods. Um, B movies that we could recommend well scott right what you should do is you should check out this thing called the boneyard match if you get a subscription <laughs> to the WWE <laughs> network i think you might enjoy that but uh no i i actually can't think of any um any b movies i've watched lately i'm not much of a b movie guy i you know um watch the room obviously which is the one everyone's seen um but i don't know that i've i don't know that i've ever really sought out um too many others uh, what about you lads uh, I have a couple. Like I, I have all of the um, the red letter media feature films, for example. Um, and I think Feeding Frenzy is pretty all right. Uh, Gorilla Interrupted isn't the best, and Space Cop is a is a bit crappy, <laughs> but uh, they're a bit yeah. of crack, like you know. And I have that on Blu-ray as well, which is especially uh fun. Apart from that, no, like Barry, I'm not much of a B movie guy. I'm more of a, um, not necessarily even art house. I guess you know, I like films like, you know, Lock that a lot of people won't have seen, <laughs> but like I think is great, uh, or like 
the er, early Denis Villeneuve, like Anne Sandy or you know, fucking stuff like that. Um, what a pretentious bollocks I am. Um, so no, unfortunately, I don't really have many. I mean, the closest I would get to that is I like a lot of um, like Chinese kung fu films outside of the ones that everyone knows. So I would recommend, although this this also comes with the, you know, asterisk that, you know, you need to have a tolerance for subtitles for some of these. But like, Stephen Chow has a lot of great films. Every, like people know um, Shaolin Soccer and uh, Kung Fu Hustle, right? But he's got a really great one called God of Cookery, which is very very funny. Um, also like anything from the, you know. 80s or 90s with uh, with Jackie Chan is, is is pretty much guaranteed to be a good time. Like you know, Drunken Master and Police Story are, are fucking great. Um, and I mean, everyone knows Bruce Lee, uh, Enter the Dragon, but like Way of the Dragon is almost as good. Uh, Way of the Dragon is really, really, really fantastic. Um, that's about as close as I would get, I think, to that kind of thing. Joe? Uh, that's my, my sole email. Oh, sorry, Joe, if you have any B-movie recommendations, go on. Uh, no, I don't watch any of that. Don't try it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not into the so bad it's good stuff. No. Just, just rather watch good stuff. So, so, um, I also have an email from Scott. Um, he says, subject, new home madness and 20 questions. Good evening, Joe. I'm wondering how the new house is going. Have you run into any problems with the house that you had to learn a new skill to deal with? Um, not not so far. Um, I mean, there have been some problems. One of the lights in the front room stopped working. Uh, I didn't bother learning any new skills, though. I've just left it. Um, <laughs> just... <laughs> but, uh, my dad was supposed to come around and fix just it. Just paint over. With the, with, with the pandemic, um, he hasn't been able to, do, to get around and fix it, so I'm going to have to wait another three or four months, and then we'll, we'll sort that out. Um, once the virus settles down, I think it's go back to normal. Will you have a housewarming party? Um, I'd quite like to. Um, I think kind of a post-corona slash housewarming party would be nice. Um, I just hate organising things. Mm. Just just contacting people and, and trying to yeah you know, get them to come and getting things. It's a lot of effort. Well, you just go to chairshoppodcast.com, uh, choose host Paul or Barry and send a little invite, you know. Oh yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, he then goes on to say, "Will you invite your podcast co-hosts over to do another live video podcast?" Well, that's a standing, obviously open invitation. Uh, Paul and Barry, obviously welcome uh, in the Towner household at any time. Just, just pop in, a cup of tea. All right, hell yeah. Um, no worries about that. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, did start gardening this, do a bit of gardening this week as the weather was better. Um, which was needed. I don't really know too much about gardening, but I've been giving it a go, and it's starting to look better. We're doing it very gradually, just like a little bit every week or so, and it's gradually starting to look a bit more normal. So um, that's that's good. So uh, making progress with that. Uh, he also has a 20 questions uh, for us. Um, so I'm going to fire up my notepad uh, okay. text document. Um, so whenever you lads are ready... Please feel free oh, to jump into the me, question. Me and Barry are never the uh, 
No, no. <laughs> the best team for this uh, were very much the Austin Theory and that other bloke. <laughs> Which one? Uh, 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 Austin Theory and Angel Garza. <laughs> what are we, zero and two now? I think so. Right, do you want to go first, Barry? Uh, do I, yeah, you go first, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's start simple and get gradually okay. more specific. Is this The Rock? <laughs> Uh, are they uh, is this person of the male persuasion yes they are male okay oh go on you good son uh, um is this person an active pro wrestler uh yes okay I'm gonna write active pro wrestler but then you're Intonation went all high at the end. <laughs> okay, an active pro wrestler question mark. Um, okay, I was going to ask, are they alive? But I'm going to presume that they are. Um, it could be AJ Styles, though. Or John Cena. Um, okay. Uh, has this man ever been to WWE champion? Uh, yes. Ooh, there you go. Former champion. Or current, potentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess former. Probably not Drew. <laughs> or, or the other bloke. Go on. Who the fuck is the old Braun? Braun. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted a day ago. <laughs> um, so, what did you say WWE champion? Paul? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I uh, okay. I meant, yeah, no, no, or, no, or no, universal, you know. Is, um, yeah. Would a would a good question be? Are they still in WWE? Um, Go for it. Uh, is this person still under the employee slash contract of World Wrestling Entertainment? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Mm. Okay. WWE boy. Oh, is this a is this a Caucasian man? Yes. Okay. Okay. White man who's been a WWE champion that narrows it down. About <laughs> well, uh, Kofi Kingston and uh, The Rock. <laughs> and Booker T. <laughs> um. All right. Still active. All right. This this is a. Hmm. To be fair, of people who are still active and in WWE, that's not too many people. Um, was this person ever in WCW? Yes. Ooh, I was thinking like Brock, and then mm, okay, WCW. So that that disqualifies like most of the modern lads, which is yeah. good. Okay, so well, they, uh, they they would have debuted pre one at least. We know that much. So possible people could be Triple H if you yeah actually does he even have when was the last match he had actually now I think about it was um, this was this person in the NWO uh yes okay Woo! NWO boy okay that now is a li- okay fucking everyone is in NWO by late two thousands but uh who do you have at uh, Nash Hall Sting all of them. Hall and Sting, never WWE champion. So Nash, but they're not active. Uh, who else? X-Pac. Well, I, my, my late era WCW isn't great. Did Goldberg ever join? 
No, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Oh, it could be um, the big show, star of the big show show on Netflix. El Show Grande could be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe, does this man have a 22 size E boot? Um, let me see. Well, don't forget, you also have the like the WWE NWO with like Shawn Michaels and uh, Booker T. But, but, when you, but if you... The, the other people who... They don't, yeah, are, they don't fit the criteria, though. You're right. Yeah, they don't fit the other criteria. Mm. Uh, Joe, was this man... WCW champion. Yes. Okay. And also, when he hesitated a bit on the active thing, I actually don't know if Big Show is active or not. He's Big Show is mm. very much in a gray area where he could come out tomorrow and I wouldn't blink. Right. But he he could also be. I think in that new Netflix show he says he's retired, but I think that's just the premise of the show. Right. Hmm. Okay. I I have a way that we can we can narrow this down a little bit if it is Goldberg or the Big Show. Uh, mm. Has this man ever been in a Christmas movie? <laughs> uh, yes. Ah! Okay, so it's 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 got to be Jingle All the Way, Santa's sleigh. Uh, I can't think of any other WCW wrestlers that have been. Known to have been in Christmas movies. Macaulay Culkin ever have a run as WCW champion? I was gonna. A- I was gonna ask. We could ask if he if he's a man of the Jewish faith. But I don't. I don't know that the Big Show is not a man of the Jewish faith. Um. So I couldn't say. Um. Hmm. What 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 other questions could we? Um. Could ask if he's in the Hall of Fame because Big Show is not yet in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Joe, is this person... Although, in... no, there's not a lot of active Hall of Famers. Yeah. At the same time, you know? Like, Goldberg is... That's it, kind of? <laughs> you know? Well, Goldberg and Big Show. Oh, wait, that would be right back to where we are. Um... I don't think Goldberg was in NWO. I don't think he was. Yeah, I'm not going to cheat and Google it. I think I think it's Big Show. I think it has to be Big Show. All right, is this person a how to phrase it? Like a super heavyweight? Are are they over? Just ask if they're over five hundred pounds. But Big Show is all skinny now. Is this person? Okay. Was, was this person ever sent to fat camp? <laughs> Ob- was this person ever billed as being 500 pounds? Yes. Okay, okay. There you go. We got it. Is this person uh, Paul the Big Nasty Bastard the Big Show White? <laughs> yes. Correct. Okay. What was that? 11, 11 questions. Pretty good. Yeah. It was a good one. We did good. Good showing that. Yeah. We redeemed ourselves there, Paul. Well done. A little bit. <laughs> we are now that other team what beat Austin Theory and the other one. <laughs> Or they, who was it? <laughs> the Street Profits. Oh, yeah. 
Oh man, do you know what's funny about that match? We'll obviously talk about WrestleMania later, but it was like three lads with like washboard abs, and then um, your man, uh, not Montez Ford, the other one, Angelo Dawkins, with his big slovenly gut. <laughs> That's all I can think of when I was watching it. Can this not just, not just do a few sit ups? Come on, now. just because you're under two hundred pounds, all of a sudden he's having a little go. He listen, big boy would fuck you up, Paul. <laughs> well, let this be known. This is opinion that I've had since I was a bloater as well. So there you go. Uh, yeah, the Big Show. The active question is always a tricky one, especially someone like the Big Show, because yeah. he did he did wrestle in January on Raw, uh, but that was it. So I think he's not retired, he's kind of active. Yeah. A man I would never call fat, the big show. Not to his face. Anyway. Remember that time Angelo Dawkins had that ring gear that was just had his like, titties hanging out? Oh, man. Anyway. What is up with you and this team and their titties? <laughs> <laughs> They're uniquely titted. Um, I have an email also. Come on, we can quickly get through this. we got fucking 10 hours of wrestling to talk about. Uh, good evening, Paul. Are you going to watch WrestleMania? I did, Scott. Uh, I asked because with it being split up, I'm hoping it's not going to be six hours each day, which will make it easier to watch. Uh, it wasn't, but it felt like it was. Uh, I forgot to ask, do any of you get to do your jobs from home, or are you all completely off at the moment? Uh, I'm looking that my company was ahead of the curve and sent three... 1,300 employees home to work a week before the shelter in place was ordered, so I'm still working. Yeah, well, I'm working from home, as I mentioned when I was listening to that rap album earlier on. Uh, in fact, I barely left my bed today. Um, I worked in bed, went down for some food, went back to bed, and, uh, yeah, so... Working from home. To be honest, working from home is a bit of a pain in the hole because at, at work I have three monitors, um, so I can, I can have my one Excel sheet on one monitor, my Outlook on the other one for my emails, um, and I can be you know constantly switching back, moving data around. And here I've got just my laptop. So I'm I was trying to do a report today um, that required me to have four different Excel files open and to be you know using them all. Um, and that was a massive pain in the hole. Um, so, you know, the quicker this whole virus gimmick is done, the better. I can go back to my life of luxury out in the office. Uh, Scott also has a pick one. Uh, it's going to be an easy one for me, I think. Uh, he also says, have a good week and stay safe and all that. Pick one is Glenn Close, Nicole Kidman, mm. Bette Midler. Now, I'll say right first and foremost, I've... N- I don't think I've ever seen a film with Bette Midler in. I don't think so either. Uh, she in Hocus Pocus, is she? Yes, yeah. I've never, I've never seen Hocus Pocus, so it's it's overrated, but it's alright. Uh, Glenn Close, <laughs> I think I might have seen in one or two. Now I know Glenn Close is very, very highly regarded, and she did do the voice of Mona Simpson in that one Simpsons episode. Oh yeah, or well, more than one. Uh, and she was uh, Cruella Deville. Never watched it. I only ever uh, saw the cartoon one. Well, that's the better one, so you're fine. Yeah, they're doing a, a prequel that's coming out. Oh yeah, it's called it's called One Dalmatian. <laughs> <laughs> Surely two, because otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. <laughs> no, it's the origin story of the dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking. Th- okay, I'm going to look through here and see. 
how many of these films I have seen. So, yeah, this is this is a tough one. I I feel like I've only seen Nicole uh, Kidman movies out of the, out of these yeah. three. Uh, I saw Mars Attacks, Guardians of the Galaxy, which she is just about in. Uh, Warcraft, I saw. So this isn't looking going going well for old. Kidman. I was gonna say yeah. What? Uh, and the wife, which okay, to be fair, she was great in the wife, and the wife is is really good. Is like Glenn Close and Jonathan Price, real good. Uh, but that's four films I've seen Glenn Close in, two of which I liked. So yeah, not looking good for her. Whereas Nicole Kidman, hello, Batman Forever Calling. Oh, hello. God. What you mean? That was great. Shite, shite. <laughs> uh, God, this is an awful list. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Go here. Uh, Batman Forever. Uh, Fucking five star classic. Uh, Moulin Rouge. Real good. Right. Um, <laughs> Stoker. I like Stoker a lot. Stoker was great. Stoker was Park Chan-wook. That film's great. Uh, Before I Go to Sleep, which I saw, and you couldn't tell you a fucking thing about it. That Except she was in it and Mark Strong was in it. Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman, which I really liked. I like Aquaman, yeah. Lion, that uh, film with Dev Patel, which was extremely boring. Um... Bombshell, in which she has a perfectly cube head. Um, so I'm gonna go Nicole Kidman, but it's a very slight victory because I don't. Yeah, I've never seen a Bette Midler film, and Glenn Close, although she's highly regarded, the films I've seen her in, I didn't like. So has Bette Midler been in anything good? Let me have a quick look. Maybe I did see her in something I didn't realize. Uh. Mm, She was in Cats and Dogs 2, not even the first one. That's how good she's been <laughs> doing lately. Hello. Uh, she, waited, she waited for the director to find his feet, you know. <laughs> Who directed it? Hang on, let's have a look here. Directed by Brad Payton. What else have you done? Oh, he did uh, movies with The Rock in it. All the shit ones. Journey 2, Mysterious Island, San Andreas and Rampage. Oh, I'd rather have diarrhea than watch them again. Thanks so very much. Uh, so thanks for your email, Scott. Um, right. Since we have WrestleMania to talk about, let's leave the finale for Quit That Infernal Bracket for a week. We'll come back to it. So it's going to be a two-part spectacular is what you're saying. It's too big for one show. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. So let's go on to the wrestling guff. Where do we want to begin? Uh, Dynamite. Chris, Chris Jericho's <laughs> specifically the bit where Chris Jericho was on. Yes, yeah, the only bit. Forget, forget, forget the rest. Forget the rest. Forget the rest. Chris Jericho's three or four minutes of uh, tell us about him it. in his hot t- hot tub with his leather trousers on. Yeah, um, uh, talking about the elite, comparing them to Joe Exotic, uh, talking about Matt Hardy, calling him what was it again? Damascus. Dumbass, dumbass kiss, tremendous. 
Uh, and then, of course, the arrival of Vanguard One. Wait, don't, don't forget, don't forget oh, wait, talking wait, about uh, Nick Jackson at home with his bibby. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt Jackson mowing the lawn. That was good. <laughs> uh, your deadbeat brother. Uh, the arrival of Vanguard One, who we presented with a, a miniature drone-sized T-shirt. That was hilarious. Well, there was a bit uh, as well where he, he was trying to say sorry. Yeah. And he went, which, you know, I can imagine seeing the ex- that, that exact same part of the problem with WWE and being extremely lame. Because there would be some kind of, and it would go on and on. And he tried to say it twice, and then he just moved on and just didn't acknowledge that he had never said it. Mm. Oh, very funny. That was great. Uh, Vanguard one, I knew you'd come. <laughs> and he said it was uh, the voice as well. In the voice. And did, um, you, did you see when Vanguard was coming, it had the location as Palais du le Champion, which is wrong as well. <laughs> oh, so it's wrong. Oh, wow. uh, and, then, and then Vanguard flew off with the teacher and set set the dogs on him. This <laughs> <laughs> like mut, motley motley crew of mutts uh, runs out from his house and chihuahuas and pugs. Yeah, drone. So yeah, brilliant segment. So far, I did. I was. Oh god, my favourite segment of the year. Well, I mean, release the hounds uh, was the high point. I I ran in and showed it to Natty immediately, and I probably watched it about five times. Release the hounds, but like, who released them? Where did they come from? Where were they? How many? How come he's got so many dogs? About, about fifteen how, dogs. How many takes do you think it took to get those dogs out and get them to chase after the drone? And then he he had a, a tiny shirt on a little hanger and he hung it on. And went, oh, you look great. And then he flew off with his, and he's like, "Son of a bitch, stole my shirt." Like, what else was he going to do with that shirt? Also, why do they have little baby inner circle shirts? Uh, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that, you know, I think was universally loved. I can imagine to be some people, you know, Jim Cornette, oh, this is fucking killing wrestling. But, um, just so funny. So funny, you know, simultaneously nonsense and... I can almost kind of see the point of view of people who are like, "This is this is bollocks," but oh my god, I've laughed so hard. Release the hounds! Ah, oh, Lord, tremendous. Jericho is. I tell you what, he he's 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 running hot for the old uh, total package of the year award this year. He's an early shoe in. Uh. Was there anything else? Anything on, else? Anything else the show? Dynamite, was there anything else on Dynamite worth it? I remember it being alright. No, uh, Kenny and Trent was great. It was great. Yeah, Kenny and Trent was real good. I liked the Lance Archer debut. Um where he just fucking threw Marco Stunt around. Um yeah, I'm sorry. The main event was pretty good as well. Cody and Darby. Uh with Sean Spears and Sammy Guerrero. So, yeah, pretty good. That's yeah, right. So that tournament starts next week. Yeah. Um, should be all right. Oh wait, uh, Lance Archer throwing Marco Stunt into the crowd. Uh, the choke slam. Yeah, I like that. There was the people at ringside again, and not the yeah picture in picture. That was again for the better. Picture in picture was shit. They were, they were taken from a different um, 
location. They were from Georgia, so there was different rules in place. So you know. Uh, yeah. So, do we want to talk about WrestleMania? Yeah. Okay. Day one. Yeah. Now I will say, right, that I thought the two-day format was grand. Yeah. I th- I especially because I watched Saturday Live, and it did make it um, uh, easier to digest. It was three hours in and out. Yeah. So uh, if this is the format going forward, that's great. I don't necessarily think it will be because yeah, you're gonna have to sell uh, tickets for two nights. Yeah, which maybe they would do. I don't know, but uh, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it was. It was. uh, I I did say I stayed up Saturday night. Didn't stay up last night. No. Well, I did, and then there was a certain match that that was about five hours long and abysmal uh, that made me go to bed. But uh, night one here, we'll kind of run, you know, a, a lot of this, a lot of both these shows were very, uh, were very Monday Night Raw, so we won't dwell on them. Uh, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross won the women's tag titles against the Kabuki Warriors. Yeah. A, a fine opener. This was alright. Um, some of the spots were pretty good. I just couldn't help thinking throughout all of the matches, though, that I, I couldn't really rate it. You know, giving it a star rating for me, I just... I wouldn't know where to start because I just wouldn't consider it a natural match. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like watching the rehearsal for a match. So I was watching a certain spot and going, oh yeah, that would be good if this was an actual match. (laughs) (laughs) So as much as I could just go, oh yeah, that was good. I just got nothing out of the empty arena match. I think it depended on the match for me. Uh, I I think some of the other matches were were good enough to the point that I could kind of immerse myself in them and, and not be aware temporarily of the, of the setting, you know? Like, the sh- I thought the Charlotte mm. match was, was that good. That was mm. good. Um, I, actually, I actually liked the Street Profits match. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I think the... I, I think that the, the deciding factor in a lot of that was the people who are just in general, you know molded by WWE and they just know how to do a certain type of match and that's it. I think those people struggled and that's why this match was, you know, all right, but yeah. they were just having a WWE pay-per-view opener and, and, and as yeah. a result, like uh, basically any match where you have an extended period where you're just kind of getting the heat on someone, you're, you're, you're sitting there in a chin lock in this empty arena and it doesn't really work. Um, but uh, I thought this was all right. Yeah, oh, that was good. I think the, um, the the taunts and the shouting and the kind of playing to the crowd that wasn't there really started to bug me. <laughs> they were just doing the same old stuff, you know, standing on the in the corner with the title belts. You know, why? It's just it's just bizarre. So that was another annoying thing. But I thought, you know, this was one of the better matches. I thought. And also, like not watching WWE on a regular basis, like you have to get reacclimatized to the camera cuts and the fucking yeah. everything else. So that this match was a bit of a culture shock. And I agree with you about the editing as well, because there, there was a lot of stuff that was quite clearly being saved uh, uh, in the edits. But anyway, I mean, the finish uh, wasn't funny enough, where she did the twisted bliss onto Kyrie mm. Sane's legs. Yeah, which is a bit of a weird. Like, was that the best angle they had of it? I thought the point was that she couldn't kick out. 
she could have rolled her shoulder over. True, yeah, it's true. Um, Elias versus King Corbin is shit. Um, it was very uh, shit. They they did the fucking he's not here, so declare me the winner thing, and then Elias comes out, and Elias waffles him with a guitar, and you're like, all right, Grand, now pin him, and then they have a match, and the match goes on, and Corbin's fucking stomping on him and stomping on him, and then Elias just wins with a roll-up, which was completely lame, and also the next match was also ending on a roll-up, and the next match was more important, so this one should have had a different finish, I, I thought. Well, um, I... I- yeah, I mean, you had the storyline that Baron Corbin basically did an attempted murder on Elias, and yeah. Coronation streeted them off a balcony, right? And then, you know, Elias gets his revenge by, by rolling him up with the tights and winning a match instead of, you know, beating him up bad enough. That's kind of what I liked most about the finish of night two's last man standing match is that it didn't end with a fucking he tied him to a tree or something <laughs> you know like that this is a little bugbear of mine is when when you have a, a i wouldn't necessarily call elias corbin a blood feud but where like there was like can elias even be there like if he was just going to show up and treat it as a normal match and win by a roll-up like where was the motivation for the character who was nearly killed to like violently return and get his revenge you know yeah that was a bit flat to me also the match was shite probably the worst match on either show I think um so well I would probably I would dispute that but we'll we'll, we'll get to it uh Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler um Becky retained with a, a roll up of sorts uh, I thought this was good, and then it just sort of ended. Um, I think this was a, a disappointment. Yeah, eight minutes for this one, and it wasn't it wasn't that good at eight minutes either. It was, I don't know. It, it felt like it was building. It it felt a little bit like the um, the Rey Mysterio title win from WrestleMania twenty two, and that it kind of you're like, okay, we've got through the first eight minutes. Now we get the the last really good six minutes. Oh, it's over. And so mm. you're left wanting, I guess in a sense you're left wanting more, but I don't know. This, I, I was expecting a, a good, you know, Shayna Baszler title match, which historically has been pretty good. Um, it, it didn't feel like a Shayna Baszler match. There wasn't the same kind of, not MMA style, but, you know, MMA style in the sense of, of working sub- submissions and working working a limb and getting the submissions on or it was just kind of yeah. yeah. Now I like I, I like the thing that they both got out of each other's submissions and then it ended on a roll up. So I I assume at um, not backlash that they'll be having a submission match. Well, is what the, is Money the Bank the next pay per view they're doing? Yeah. Is it? Oh yeah. my god! Are they are they going to do five ladder matches on in front of no fans? Possibly. Um, yeah. So this, yeah, this under delivered a bit. Do you know what be interesting um, is, you know, Money in the Bank. Who has who has to say it has to be a ladder match? Why? Why for one year don't they do a different kind of match for Money in the Treasure Bank? Treasure Hunt. Find the briefcase. Anything. <laughs> uh, verbal debate. 
<laughs> Fancy football competition. Verbal debate. Man, these Scrabble. This is my ring. Oh, it's my ring. Ah, you think you're coming to my ring? Oh, God. <laughs> Corny so fucking tough? dialogue. Oh, you think you're so tough? Um... Up next, we got Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Now, my understanding is that I guess Samuel Zayn is now... They're, they're, they're like pretending he's not even a wrestler. Now he's like Bobby Heenan is his, his act. Mm. And so he, he runs away and he runs away and he runs away. And then Daniel Bryan catches him and he just like punches him and he gives him some kicks and he, he punches him some more. And then Sami Zayn gets a brief flurry, and then Brian fires back, and then Brian gets distracted by Sami's friends, and Sami kicks him and wins. I they did not remotely work this the way you expected a Sami Zayn or the way you would hope a Sami Zayn Daniel Bryan match would go, and I don't mean that as a positive. Um, I was pretty disappointed by this. You see Sami Zayn yeah. being interviewed before the match, looking like Seth Rogen dressed as Fidel Castro. He, he looked at his hair out. Yeah, he, but he had the, the Castro clothes on. Like, he went to a Halloween shop and bought a Castro outfit. Um, yeah, I get your point. Um, they are talking in the interview beforehand that, like, they had some plan that they are going to implement against Brian. So that was partly what it was. Um, yeah. Wasn't the, wasn't the uh, you know, rapid-fire Brian Zane match you would have hoped that it would have been... I don't really have much more to say about it. <laughs> it's boring. A little bit boring. Yeah. Uh, what well, wasn't boring was the ladder match between John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, and Jimmy Uso <laughs> for both of the tag team titles. Um, so they, uh, they, the situation was that like the Miz was sick or whatever. Um. Mm. Uh, so so they had a three way for the tag belts with everyone just leaving one partner at home um, so I thought this was good I thought they worked hard I thought they, they did some innovative stuff but uh, hearkening back to something Joe said about the opener kind of hard to rate this one when they're really obviously doing like crash pad spots that they're editing around um and stuff but like I think that. that's fine in a pre-taped uh, environment. Like y- you can be creative and fake the 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 spots. That's fine. I think they did that in the the boneyard match as well. Um, that, yeah, I did. I, it was weird where Jimmy uh, Uso went flying from the ladder to the outside, and you don't see him land. My initial thing was like, that was a weird, you know, choice for that. Like like the. Alexa Bliss finish was that like the best angle they had, and then I thought, oh no, they were they were hiding something. That's that's fine. Um, I, early on, it was weird. It it seemed like uh, in the first maybe five ten minutes, whenever they would try to like hit the ropes or something, there was always like ladders in the way that they're having to fucking jump over or run around, and it just seemed like it was happening constantly. Like the first ten minutes, five or six times that was happening. And then towards yeah. the end, it kind of got a bit more, a bit cleaner, a bit uh, smoother. And yeah, I mean, it was uh, 
they did some fun stuff in there. I don't know that it was um, the craziest ladder match I've seen. No. Um, well, it was. It was okay. It was okay. Uh, the finish was. Uh, I thought after many years they were finally going to do the thing where two guys from different teams grab a belt each and become champion. Because um, Jimmy, or wait, no, yes, Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston got the belts, and Morrison was down, and I was like, oh god, they're each going to grab one. They're finally, they're finally doing the thing. Um, and then Morrison got up and he grabbed the, t- the belts and he he began to unclasp them. The two baby faces headbutted him. He flew backwards and he brought the titles down with him. And so they did that. WWE loves that finish. WWE loves the the heel uh, somehow gets the gimmick that they have to retrieve while getting their ass kicked, um, and and crashes to earth. Um, yeah. So so Morrison retains. Uh, up next. Uh, another solid match, uh, you know. Uh, Kevin Owens defeated uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, I've I have not seen this Seth Rollins character before. It looks like total shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, just absolutely awful. But uh, I thought they had a good wrestling match, and then they did a DQ and they restarted it as a no DQ brawl, which only went a couple of minutes. And I thought that was cool too. And it culminated in in finally after all these years. Someone jumped off the WrestleMania side. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Owens did an absolutely massive uh, senton through the table, which was fantastic. And uh, yeah, I thought uh, as a whole segment, I thought this was really good fun. Uh, I mean, for me, the match started after the the restart. I, I the whole first part of the match kind of washed over me, um, and I didn't really get Seth Rollins motivation to agree to the restart like he seemed perfectly happy to hit kevin owens with the bell get the dq get the fuck out of there and then when kevin owens challenged him to like let's do this with no dqs like why did rollins agree to that i mean was it just like well you just got a big ego like okay but like he he took the easy way out and then he got just when i get out they pull me back in I didn't really get that. But then, you know, thankfully, that, that was the good bit of the match after that. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. I like when he jumped uh, off the sign. That was good. Then Mojo Rawley won the 24-7 title. Oh, is that what I was going to say that somewhere in, in here. Um, I couldn't remember where it happened. Um, oh, they do not have... They do not have... Mojo Raleigh pinning our truth on the grapple app. I'm gonna have to write them <laughs> in. <laughs> uh, up next, then, as far as actual matches goes, we had Braun Strowman beating Goldberg. Um, I, I guess that with the current climate, they don't know um, when Roman can come back. I guess. Mm. Um, so, and I, and I also guess they don't know how many. They probably don't have a whole lot more Goldberg on the calendar, so so I guess well, this makes sense. But I was very much of the belief that Braun shouldn't have won here. At Goldberg's age, I mean, he shouldn't really be out and about. He's probably on luck. He should be at home. With his kids. Well, Goldberg's probably on a lot of money per appearance as well. So, yeah, their initial plan, most likely to have him lose, was like, oh shite. Yeah. 
We have to give the belt to that fucking gobshite now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, in the in the Brock, if you want to call it the Brock and Goldberg era of them being champions, um, we've had a lot of these like three minute title matches. I think this is probably the worst of them that I've seen so far. Um, and we had two. Like this is the biggest disappointment. And on WrestleMania, you have your two world title matches go a combined six minutes. Like I remember, you know, back in the old days, Vince McMahon talking about UFC, going, you know, it's crapshoot. You get these fucking thirty-second main events, and you don't get your money's worth. Here in WWE, at least we can give you give you a good main event. It's like, God, I miss the days where title world title matches would go like eighteen minutes or something like. That's the one thing that I, I didn't get from this WrestleMania was a world title match in the fucking true sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, Goldberg did his move. Well, Goldberg did a kick. Goldberg did his, you know, spear three times, four times. Then Strowman did four power slams. I mean, fuck, I could have remembered the layout of this match. God, yeah, there, there was no drama to it whatsoever. It was barely a match. And like Braun's just not as cool doing this kind of stuff as 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 Brock because I remember they the commentators called the finish like a running power slam. I was like, he did a little hop, a, a little hop and a step. I wouldn't call it a running power slam. Um, it was not a it was not a barnstorming finish. But um, it's funny because yeah. it's a bit of a, a a triangle, right? In the sense of like Goldberg beat the Fiend, right? Who was this unstoppable monster? And then like Strowman, who for years, let's say at least the last three years, has been like hot and cold in the sense of nearly a geek at points, and he just beats the shite out of Goldberg as well. Mm-hmm. It's it was it, you know they're very inconsistent and that's what you know the, the, this this didn't like feel like a payoff or you know necessarily to like someone to overcome Goldberg who beat the unbeatable fiend nor kind of a payoff to a, a Braun Strowman build it just was like oh Braun Strowman won I might have even laughed when he won I don't even remember uh, a dud a dud in, and I've never. Like underlying dud as as much as I would for this match, a complete dud. Uh, and that brought us to the main event, which was the Boneyard match, um, which was the first of our uh, non-traditional kind of quote-unquote big massive air quote cinematic matches. <laughs> our final uh, deletions. Yeah, like like whenever people talk about this stuff, it kind of exposes that wrestling fans don't watch other things, um, <laughs> because their their barometer and like their bar for cinematography is so fucking low. Because this <laughs> Scott, I, I mentioned the Boneyard match earlier to Scott about the uh, the B movie thing, but this really was like a B movie because this this struck me as someone who um, owns a camera. And has kind of always thought about making movies, but didn't think he could really do it. And he's 55, and then he watches Gran Torino, and he's like... <laughs> or, or like, he gets a, a, a Blu-ray collection of Death Wish, and he's like, 
Yeah, I, I could make a movie about beating up some punk kids and being a fucking badass. And I've got a, I've got a boombox and I've got a Metallica CD. And, and right, let me get a, a post-it note out. Right, it, 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 it's uh, nine p.m. Dark near a, a shed. I pull up on my motorcycle. Everyone is scared. They try to, they try to punch me, but I am simply too cool, and I punch them first. <laughs> Cause that, cause that's what this was. Cause AJ shows up in the hearse and does a little spoof entrance, and that was funny. Yeah. And then everything after that is, look what a fucking badass the Undertaker is. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. But you know what? <laughs> I fucking loved it. I it loved was, it. It was great crack. It was absolutely great crack. This was um, this was my favorite thing on either show. This was such uh, such an overachievement in how fun it was. Because I was going into this with the lowest of low expectations. Um, WWE have never really got what made the final deletions entertaining. They did that one New Day Wyatt's one that was a complete bomb. They did the one Matt Hardy one, which was good. We had fucking Matt Hardy and Jeremy Borash involved. It was going to be good. Um, buried live matches historically have always been awful. Yep. The Undertaker and AJ Styles are combined about a hundred. <laughs> like everything was was in the stars for this not to be good, and then unbelievably. The stars aligned, and it was good. Even, even the Undertaker on his little bike with his little two thousands bandana on, with Metallica playing, oh, I couldn't help but love it. I couldn't help but have a little smile about it. And I, and I never liked the um, American Badass Undertaker. I was always someone because yeah. I started watching in ninety six. I was always someone who liked the. Uh, the zombie wizard undertaker yeah and this was the first time where I was like you know what that American badass gimmick that's perfect for what the undertaker is today that suits him to a T the 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 zombie wizard undertaker has has kind of run its course this suits him this and it's for certainly for a storyline this suited them to a T for this kind of match you would think the, the 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 classic Undertaker would be more suited to a boneyard or a buried live match, but actually here it worked ten times better than it would have with the other Undertaker gimmick. Um, yeah, because th- there was a little less. There was the one spot with the pyro and the one thing with the teleportation, but generally this was very much the I'll, I'll get down in the dirt and won't fetch you. He, he didn't teleport. He had a special tunnel that he crawled up <laughs> that came up behind AJ. He was planning ahead. Yeah. But yes, yeah. they they beat each other up. They, I, do you think it was an intentional Goldberg homage to do the window spot? Possibly. Um, I mean, that's that's what I thought of when he did it. it was, yeah, pretty dangerous. If it wasn't, he should uh, he should have well, made an, an even clearer Goldberg reference though when he did it. He, I ain't working no fucking four minute match. I can still go. Well, what did he say? He looked down at his arm. He had this little night, uh, Halloween kit cut on it. God damn. 
Made yeah, he said goddamn. There was a ton of naughty language on this show, both these shows. Yeah. Um, uh, again, which I guess they thought they were going to get away with, which they, I suppose they did. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, you know, it was good. And then the OC showed up with a bunch of druids. Well, and, I love, like, the first thing, the first thing I loved was uh, AJ Styles, you know, all fucking cocky and where's Undertaker your wife letting you out this late first thing he tries to do is hit him with a brick yeah he tries to hit him with a brick <laughs> what a coward oh. what a coward brilliant this um, is great at this point this show had been a complete turd for me up until <laughs> this point but I, I absolutely loved this it was so gloriously stupid and, and fun uh, Undertaker calling him Alan Alan, what's up, Alan? Thank <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was good. Good brawl. Uh, enjoyed the the banter from Undertaker. Undertaker's got a lot of personality, which is weird, given that he spent the last thirty years trying to conceal it as <laughs> as a kind character. of mute character as well. Yeah. Yeah, and he's also great in the ring. <laughs> it's weird. His whole defining uh, traits have been not speaking and not moving quickly, but when he's actually a very accomplished wrestler and you know, very charismatic, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought AJ did a great job, and you know, really good to see AJ Styles in a match with the Undertaker at WrestleMania in the main event. Good, good on your lad. Good on your lad. Undertaker gave him the finger at one point, uh, which probably will be blurred in the uh, on-demand version because I think I've done that before. Um, although this was pre-taped, so probably not actually. I was surprised. Yeah. He gave he gave him an, an unblurred middle finger, which is a very un and very un Undertakery thing to be doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they fought on top of this shed. Uh, Carol Anson got <laughs> tombstoned on top of the shed. Tombstone. Uh, the tombstone is a great move to do anywhere but a ring because it <laughs> looks so stupid on top of a corrugated roof. Yeah, uh, AJ AJ got choke slammed off it, and again in the in the ultimate in the ultimate. Uh, Action movie equivalent of Tommy Wiseau writing the script. Uh, Undertaker did the. Oh, it's okay. I, I ain't gonna kill you. Yeah, we we'll hug it out. We can be men. Uh, Side bitch. I'm gonna fucking choke some of you in this hole. <laughs> oh, and then buried him, and then rode off into the sunset with his logo in the back. Oh, it was so so stupid. Oh, I loved it. Oh, that's was great. That's great. Um, yeah, so a, a pre-taped cinematic main event for WrestleMania. And, and the little tombstone reveal at the end. Oh, yes! Cinema! I love cinema. Oh, that should be taught in film schools. And, and then I take the uh, the little mesh off I bought in the army surplus store and it's got <laughs> AJ Styles. Name was on it the whole time. It was there all along! Did anyone not think when AJ Styles goes, Hey, take him. I dug your grave for you and everything. It's right here with a with a uh, stone that is covered for reasons that do not matter. Uh, don't you worry about what this tombstone says on this grave that I dug. Don't you worry about it. Anyway, let's have a fight about your wife. <laughs> and um, then Undertaker's bandana fell off during the fight. And then he put it back on before he drove off. Presumably they... <laughs> taped the driving off scene beforehand or something he, put his little, he dusted his little bandana off put it back on hide that uh, hairline which starts halfway back on his head um, 
Ah, it was so much fun. It was great. It was great crack indeed. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like, this wouldn't have been a good pro wrestling match. Do you know what I mean? No, it wouldn't. Uh, the, we, we, you know, as documented on this show, the highs and lows of Undertaker, I think we've all kind of learned the lesson of where he's at. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think that's, I think that was true of some of the other stuff on this, uh, this weekend as well. So we'll jump straight in here to, to night two. I think the, the best, uh, actual wrestling match of the weekend was, um, the opener. Uh, the opener, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Uh, you know, Charlotte was on, and, and when Charlotte's on, she's great. Uh, Ripley was, was was pretty fantastic as well, selling, you know, Babyface in peril, Charlotte working over the leg. Uh, really great stuff. Really, really loved it. Uh, perplexing results, but also not perplexing, because it's Charlotte, so, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, um, yeah what you guys make of it? It was great. Yeah, thought it was really good. Probably the only kind of empty arena match that I actually enjoyed, I would say, out of all of them. Um, till they both did really good. Rhea Ripley's really good. Uh, bizarre that she lost. I just... Oh, completely mental. Um, it was also the longest match, other than the uh, the one we'll talk about in a minute, the last man standing one. Yeah, but it didn't yeah. feel it. It was 20 minutes. didn't feel it at all. No. So they did really, really well. So uh, Charlotte is the uh, the NXT champion. Who knows what uh, what that will lead to? Um, mm. So uh, the next match was Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. It was <sighs> just a match, of, you know, not particularly um, good. Not particularly good. With a rubbish finish as well. This, couldn't fast forward this quick enough. Yeah, yeah. Right, Lashley was going to win with the Dominator. Lana, for no reason, goes, No! Spear him! He puts him down, goes for a spear, and gets hit with the black mask. Stupid. Moving on. Otis and Ziggler. Hmm. Um, yeah, this was also not very good, although the storyline <laughs> trappings were, like, fine, I guess. Um, they they were having a basic match. Sonya Deville was in the corner of Otis, or in Dolph Ziggler, rather. Um, uh, she distracted the ref. Otis got a low blow. Uh, but before he could, uh, Ziggler could pin him, Mandy Rose came out um and uh low blowed ziggler and that allowed otis to win and at the end of the match mandy planted a big old kiss on otis and uh this wasn't much but i got the feeling that if the crowd was there they would have gotten a good reaction for the finish i mean macho man elizabeth this was not no no well but otis is no macho man i'll say that uh well everything mandy rose did felt very uh, re- rehearsed wooden yeah she she came down and did the slap then she walked around to where she was supposed to walk around to she went in and did the low blow then she walked back to where she was supposed to walk back to then she did the least convincing kiss since that time Ted DiBiase was with Maurice that one time um yeah it wasn't it wasn't a great emotional performance um to, to pay off the the quite good storyline Uh, so that led us to 
the uh, probably the probably the biggest match I would say in terms of promotion on the card in terms of like storylines that got people interested. Um, it was Randy Orton versus Edge mm-hmm. in a last man standing match. Uh, this was the second longest match in WrestleMania history. Uh, it was nearly 40 minutes. And it went like this. Edge came out. Randy Orton's music hit. Randy Orton was dressed as a cameraman. He hit him with a surprise RKO. Oh, uh, and then they proceeded to kick and punch and brawl and walk around the whole PC. Doing about like four spots in total across the 40 minutes. Everything else was walking and punching and selling and it was never ending it was so boring i can't even call it an attitude era main event because they didn't go this long with the walking and brawling um yeah uh this was this was quite poor um and uh did absolutely not feel like a a, a triumphant return for for edge by any measure uh what did you lads make of it i actually thought it was all right <laughs> What? <laughs> I actually thought it was all right. I, 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 the one thing that I didn't like, which kind of goes for all last month's stand matches, is the, the, the ref counting to ten as the match drags to a stop. You know, and this ref was particularly shouty and particularly loud about it, which it didn't have to be because there was no crowd to shout mm. over. Um, no, I thought it was all right. I, I, I wasn't a fan of the cheesier spots, like when Edge hung off the the mesh cage that was for some reason in the ceiling of the meeting room oh, and did like an elbow drop off I t- like that stuff was a bit dumb I actually didn't mind the rest of it I thought it was fine Didn't f- to me and this is going to sound like I'm fucking crazy but believe me didn't feel as long to me as it was wow um, yeah I actually didn't mind it I thought it was I thought it was god I, I won't you know go to like hyperbole on it I thought it was pretty good Wow. I might be on an island with that. I don't know. No, I the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, I didn't actually mind. I was quite enjoying it. That cameraman spot was so stupid. There's only like four people in the arena. <laughs> they somehow don't notice Randy Orton holding a camera. Like, <laughs> fuck you know. Um, I didn't, yeah, the first 10, 15 minutes, it was fine. I don't really like last man standing matches that much anyway, but it was, yeah. I was you know, it was okay. I was enjoying it. It's kind of interesting to see the uh you know backstage um space um uh, but yeah then as it, as it went on uh, once he got to like 20 25 30 i just stopped paying any attention i was just looking around the, the backstage area looking at interesting things <laughs> there was a box labeled pay-per-view cables and i was kind of wondering like what's the difference between like a pay-per-view cable and the tv cable there was or, a box that was called yeah. like retapes or something as well yeah, I was like, yeah. What's that <laughs> it was a really big box as well. <laughs> um, I mean, we're, we're in a, a, a world where, I mean, this month we had a match in Japan that started with a 31-minute stare-off. Yeah. So, you know, um, which I watched bits of, actually, that I enjoyed. <laughs> but um, this, uh, no, I didn't mind it, I didn't mind it. Maybe it was, you know, I watched the Edge documentary um, the night before. Like, I watched the Edge documentary last night, and I watched, obviously, WrestleMania today. So, you know, 
I was I was big in on the edge thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it it okay. It was it was long. It, I don't know that it felt that long to me. Didn't feel like thirty six minutes. Felt a little bit shorter than that. It was very kicky punchy, but you know, mm. yeah. <laughs> I I don't really have a very strong defense of enjoying this match. I can only say that. You know, intangibly, for some reason, I didn't hate it. I, I, I thought it was alright. Fair enough. Um, I hated it. That's okay. Um, That's okay. To hate it. There's one bit where they were fighting on top of the big lorry or whatever, and there was a comically big ladder next to them, <laughs> like the biggest ladder I've ever seen on a WWE broadcast. And oh, I was yeah. thinking, what, what are they going to do with this giant ladder? Then they just didn't use it. And Orton walked underneath it, which I was like, oh, that's foreshadowing that he's going to lose. Because that was bad luck. Okay, we, we don't talk about this for 36 minutes. Let's move on to the next one. No, yeah, God, no. Gronk uh, won the belt. Gronk won the belt. That was next. Um, these next two matches were not much to talk about. Three Profits uh, retained against Zelina Vegas, two Boyos. Um, it was alright, all action, you know. They, yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it. They didn't dilly dally, and then post match, Bianca Belair ran in t- to save the Street Profits from a, a beatdown, which was which was nice. I think that would have got a big pop, were there a crowd, and it felt Absolutely. like something that was, you know, written for a reaction. So it didn't really make sense in this. I mean, it made sense mm. in, in terms of what was happening, but for her to come out and make the big save with no crowd there was very odd. Um, let me see here. Uh, next we had the five-way women's match for the the Bailey's SmackDown Women's Title. This Bailey character looks like the most generic heel in the world. She comes out to just generic rock music, with her, uh, the screen just says her name, and she's just like, "Oh yeah, you think you're so tough? This is my title. That's her whole thing." Um, uh, so the way the match went it was like this Tamina ran wild as the big monster heel everyone teamed up on her they eliminated her Uh, Naomi uh, got a little bit of shine but she was eventually taken out as well Uh, Bailey and Sasha teamed up to double team Lacey Evans when it was down to just the three of them there was miscommunication where Sasha um, uh, where Bailey accidentally kneed Sasha in the head uh, uh, there was a, a kerfuffle where Bailey saved Sasha from the women's right, uh, or something like that. So anyway, eventually Sasha got eliminated, and they came down to Lacey and Bailey. Lacey and Bailey wasn't too bad at the end. I thought Lacey did all right for herself, considering she's you know Lacey Evans. Um, and then Sasha ran back in. It was no DQ, so she just kind of ran, ran back in right in front of the ref uh, for Bailey to win. And so they're they're continuing this slow tease that. Uh, Sasha and Bailey would have a match at some point, but not yet. It was all right. Now this was a match that felt like it went thirty-six minutes. I thought this really? was the I, most I boring I shite. Oh my god, it went on forever. Um, yeah, I hated this one. Hated it. Uh, it's funny though. On commentary beforehand, Michael Cole is like, "I gotta tell you, whoever I'm commentating with, JBL, I gotta tell you." I got. I think Tamina is the wild card of this match. So of course she gets eliminated first, like the geek that she is. Uh, she looked yeah. horrible. She looked absolutely horrible in this match. Um, 
Naomi, who is the one actually good babyface in the match, of course, gets eliminated to leave the heels and the shite Lacey Evans. Uh, oh, it was interminable. I absolutely hated it. It was so boring. Uh, everything that you guys hated, or Barry specifically, about the Randy Orton match, for me, was this match. It was so dull. It was so bad. Oh, it wouldn't end. It went on and on and on and on. <sighs> Awful stuff. Fair enough. The, uh, <laughs> Joe, the next match. <laughs> Did you like it? Joe? I didn't watch it. You made the right decision because it was. <sighs> the next match, though, was anything but boring. That's true. It was the Firefly Fun House, quote unquote, match. Um, more so than the Boneyard match, this really pushed to the limits the definition of what you would even really call a match. Because there was a, it ended in a pinfall that felt like it was entirely um, symbolic and not even supposed to be looked at literally. Um, so I will try my best to concisely summarize what happened here. If you did not see it. John Cena came out and his entrance was immediately cut off. And next thing you know, we're getting all uh, interspliced video packages and video effects. So straight away, you know, you're not watching. You're not watching a regular WWE shot wrestling match. John Cena appears in the Firefly Funhouse. He talks briefly to the Vince McMahon puppet. And then Bray Wyatt's in the ring. And he's cutting the Kurt Angle Open Challenge promo from 2002, interspliced with footage of that. And then we cut to the ramp and the SmackDown fist is there. And 40-year-old John Cena comes out in his 2002 debut trunks, right? And at this stage it's effectively playing out like a a nightmare john cena is having it's like it's like a it's like literally like a dream in a tv show cuz uh john cena says ruthless aggression and he swings at bray but bray ducks and duck and uh, bray is cutting this promo and 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 all john cena can say is ruthless aggression and swing but it's not effective and then we cut to some weird saturday night main event vignette where Bray and Cena are some kind of mega powers-ish tag team, uh, but Cena's just pumping iron so hard that he... was the point. Was the point of this one that he pumped iron too hard and couldn't swing? I I didn't really get. This. I didn't get this one. I, yeah, this one didn't. So I think the point of kind of I think the whole thing was supposed to be evoking Hogan. Yeah. Uh, parallels. Yeah. So I, so, so I guess that was the idea. The well, idea Wyatt was you. doing a Macho Man voice. So yeah, so it was yeah, it was like it was so, and Hogan was uh, or Cena was was lifting fake weights, and then when he tried to swing on Bray, he could he couldn't lift his arms because they were exhausted from from lifting. That, this one was weird. Well, they were, the whole fucking thing was weird. But um, then we cut the SmackDown fist is back, and John Cena comes out in his Doctor of Thugonomics uh, outfit, and uh, he. <laughs> Starts bantering with Bray, and then again to play up the the dreamlike aspect of this, Cena like says that he can only speak in rhyme. It's like he he can't talk normally. Mm. Um, 
And so Bray starts talking about how Cena is, you know, disingenuous because he takes people's characteristics and turns them into mean insults uh, and all this other stuff. And then we flash forward to the the initial Wyatt family iteration of the Bray character, 2014. And so they've got him, him in his outfit from that era, and he's in a set like he used to be in, in that era. And then they, they have clips of their previous WrestleMania match where John Cena won. And uh, Bray talks about how he had the fans with him, and they were singing his song and all this other stuff, and John Cena put an end to it. Um, they show footage of the spot where Cena had the chair, but he refused to use it. And then in 2020, John Cena has the chair and Bray is telling him to use it. And this time, John Cena swings, but he uh, Bray Wyatt disappears. And then we get a little, a very, very quick little um, uh, uh, highlight reel of all the people who've been cheered against John Cena. The Triple H match, the CM Punk match, Shawn Michaels, and the, they're piping in the Cena socks and all this other stuff. And then the big culmination, again, going with the Hogan uh, uh, parallel, and I guess making reference to the this long-talked-about, if-only-seen-a-turned-heel thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Wyatt is playing Eric Bischoff, of all people. Playing him very uh, well. <laughs> playing him very well, and they're interspersing footage from of him from his Nitro heyday. And John Cena comes out on the Nitro ramp, which obviously they have in their warehouse. In an NWO shirt with the spray painted WCW belt to the NWO music. I was like, this is the most bizarre thing I have ever seen. And um, at that point, uh, Cena uh, takes him down and he goes to punch him. And is this where the, the puppet? Yeah. Oh, no, he is punching him. And then Bray yeah. teleports and the puppet is uh, in pig. place. Yeah. The pig puppet. And then, finally, we had actually not seen him all match. Then The Fiend appears in the ring, grabs John Cena in the Sister Abigail position, and uh, as Cena is waiting for his doom, they uh, they replay his SmackDown promo where he talks about how WrestleMania would be the end of the most overprivileged, overrated wrestler ever, or whatever he said. And I suppose the, the very unsubtle realization was supposed to be that that was about Cena himself. And uh, Bray counts a three count and then he wins and that's the end of it. And uh, yes. Great recap. Thank you very much. There was a, there was a... Tune in next week for my dramatic reading of the Boneyard script. <laughs> um, what did we make of this little mother? I fucking loved it. I I love kind of self-referential stuff and people refer, you know, the whole broken thing where Jeff Hardy was in the lake of whatever it was called, lake of renewal or whatever, yeah. uh, and came back as his old gimmick. I, I love that. It's very kind of incestuous and self-referential, but I just kind of love that shit. And the th- references to all the old, you know, to Nitro, the Saturday Night's Main Event, and the, uh, the, uh, the Angle promo and everything. I just thought it was great. And I know The Fiend is bollocks, and the, the Firefly, fight, fight, fly, whatever, is bollocks, but this was, I just loved it. 
Um, I I didn't know what to think of it when I first watched it. I I while I was watching it, I was I was kind of on the side of not liking it. Um, but I I kind of can't help but admire how like layered and conceptual it was. Like I'm sh- I'm not even sure a lot of people who watched it really got what it was. Like as as Barry went through it, the allusions to like uh, Cena's career and parallels to Hogan, and you know allusions to real life uh, criticisms of Cena and mm. stuff that was being shown very literally to to allude to other things. And um, we had, like I said, while I while I was watching it, I wasn't. Um, super compelled by it but maybe the you know it's something that i need to kind of sit on and think about for a while because i i i do like how it was kind of put together and um the ideas behind it i really really enjoyed um it was maybe a little too goofy at points like cena's acting very goofy at points um but uh yeah i'm not sure that i that i liked it but i definitely admired it because it was like I, for, I forgot the best part. Sorry, what? sorry, I forgot the best part, which was the Vince puppet. Um, Go on, this he, is good he, shit. he appears right at the beginning to, to give the scene. Yeah, yeah, that's good shit, pal. Ah, that was great. I need, I need that gif. I need that gif. It was um, it it, it was weird because it's a it, there's so many different aspects to talk about, like. Like as I said, this this was really, and I'm not saying this in a disparaging way, but just in a, in a literal sense, this was this was really not a match. I mean, it, it, there was nothing resembling wrestling moves in this. Do you know what I mean? It, it's mm. like, but at the same time, it was probably the most in recent memory I felt like WWE. Uh, there has been stuff to chew on about characters in in a, in a proper way. Mm. Um. Uh, you know, all like the the self. You, you rarely see you know characters be as self reflective as this obviously was for John Cena, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, you know, culminating like when 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 I was watching this this morning, and 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 when Bray is doing the Bischoff, I was like, are they actually going to have him come out? And 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 I knew it was going to be NWO. I knew he was going to come out in that, and I was like, are they going to do that? Because it was just like. I, I the, the the Cena heel stuff is such an over talked about thing at this stage. I don't think anyone even cares anymore. Like it's not, it's not, a, it's not a hot button issue. But to 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 reference it in this way, I thought was just kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was cool for what it was. Um, and and kind of like Undertaker AJ Styles, I would have had no aspirations for this as a regular match. It's interesting, though, that they, you know, in terms of doing these non-wrestling matches, historically it's been dud, dud after dud. And here they kind of were two for two, in a sense, you know, like with this one, as I said, I, I like the stuff like you could maybe, maybe the early Saturday night, uh, Saturday night main event was to. You know, put that seed of Hogan in because then maybe the the NWO one wouldn't have made sense later on, and also the the bit where he, get, he offers him the chair and he takes the swing is like Cena 
taking the decision to turn heel, which he didn't. Before. You know, there was lots of elements to it that um, it was like clever. It was really, really clever. Yeah. Mm. And then Cena disappeared, like Jericho's head twitching while Matt Hardy was teleporting around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know what this was? I realized when when Cena couldn't say anything other than ruthless aggression, I realized that this was uh, the Scarecrow stuff from Arkham Asylum. Well, I mean, the Ruth... <laughs> That's a very good, uh, very good comparison. Mm. The Cena only saying ruthless aggression thing to me was like that's all his character was at that time he had nothing else to say yeah ruthless aggression that's all he, ruthless aggression and and throwing wild punches that was the essence of john cena right up until he became uh, a rapper you know he had yeah. nothing to say and then in the in the dr thugonomics segment wyatt says to him look you know be real say what's on your mind and cena then can't do it maybe another allusion to the the, the heel turn, you know, like there's a lot of really clever stuff from there. It was great, even though I didn't like it. It was great. Now there, there's something that I need. I need to think about. Never mind thinking about the match itself. But yeah, thumbs up. And then they, Shit. then they replayed the Goldberg Braun Strowman match again for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Drew beat Brock. I I was honestly I didn't know what they were going to do here because I I didn't imagine. I don't know. I I assumed Drew would win, but part of me just felt like it would be lame to see him win it in an empty building, and that was in fact correct. Um, I felt really bad for him because he had to do his. He got the three count, and then he had to do his. Oh, oh my God, my my boyhood dream. Uh, he had to sell like it was the greatest moment of his life in front of no one and i just and like and like not, he didn't even get fireworks because of course you can't do fireworks in this gym um oh i felt terrible for him uh but yeah beyond that the match was just not very good it was it was in fact literally the same as the the braun goldberg thing uh uh drew immediately hit a claim more brock kicked out then drew weathered four f5s then uh, then Drew hit four Claymores and one. It was about two minutes. Um, and I think I don't think either of them would have been very good regardless, but the Brock and the Goldberg stuff does not work without crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would have just liked the proper match. Um, there was some going on. McIntyre kicked out of an F5 at one. Uh, Brock hit some German suplexes in there as well. And actually at the beginning, when they kind of faced off, I did kind of get that UFC big fight feeling like okay this this feels like a big a big event and then the match was just the old formula again um I can't wait to have proper main events again like I was never someone who was big on the Brock Lesnar's a part timer da 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 he has the belt but I'm sick of these fucking three minute main events come on if he's gonna Mm -hmm. have the belt make him do a fucking match at least yeah. Can we get ten minutes out of for the amount of money he's on? Ten minutes. Yeah, it's just uh, boring. Very. I mean, it was only four minutes, but I just it's just yeah. Like, what is it? What are these matches? They're just nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not only that they're short, but they are specifically that formula of it's four minutes of they hit their finishers on each other. Yeah. Until yeah. one of them doesn't kick out. Nothing to it. Yeah. Well, that was WrestleMania, lads. And that was WrestleMania. Night two was a bit of a dud. Um, um, I enjoyed night two well, more than night one. <laughs> I would say, yeah, because of the the fiend Cena, because of Flair Ripley, that would edge it for me. Mm, but then my fav- guess, my favorite yeah. of either night was the the boneyard. That was my favorite. But yeah, and then I had, I had a smile on my face for the entire half hour, and that's what Stephanie McMahon wanted in the first place. Well, as long as she's happy. As long as she's happy, she got her job done. Um, anyone else watch that Edge Twenty Four documentary? Nah. Yes, it's I loved it. Great. It was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, um, yeah, great real life story. Beth Phoenix watching the Royal Rumble backstage. Get <sighs> me a little. What a heart, moment! Get me a little heart going. There was no tears. I can confirm. But, but also, but also, her watching SummerSlam and being very annoyed. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be mad at you later. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really fantastic documentary. Very good. I also watched the fifth episode of the Ruthless Aggression because I, I got the free month of the network. Oh yeah, for WrestleMania. Um, turns out if you have another email address and a PayPal and you paid for your first one with your credit card, then you get a free month. Thanks very much, uh, McMahon. Mm. Um. So I'm kind of watching everything that's on it for the time being. Um, yeah, that Edge documentary was fantastic. And Ruthless Aggression Episode 5, the brand split one, I thought was really good. Really, really good. Um, interesting, though, that they plugged at the end of it the next series coming in autumn of the Ruthless Aggression series. And it's like, money in the bank and Elimination Chamber. And it's like, you have so many more interesting stories from that time period to tell then yeah the diva search that wacky well no diva search to me is one of the interesting stories with today's what, what is shit what are you talking about no but unless there's an entire <laughs> Layla episode I don't care I know it's shit but that's the point is there people talk about but um stuff like you know the the off. And then the rebirth of Shawn Michaels and yeah yeah um you know they can talk about some of the the bad stuff and like I I would they would never do it I would love uh, an episode about the 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 reign of Triple H from two thousand two to two thousand four the reign of terror. You well, know? well, you you you. I'll be you waiting a while for that to, one. Be waiting a while for that one because no, in the be... evolution episode they were like, uh, yeah, evolution. We were top heels, and uh, everyone loved us so much that we became baby faces. No, that, and, that Triple H, um, that Triple H um, story will be on Dark Side of the Ring. You'll have RVD <laughs> and Booker T interviews. Um, and, then, and then it was like, and then in the Brandsmith episode, they were like, yeah, Raw was shit. I don't know why. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, they were like, Raw was the entertaining show. And they showed clips that were just, like, dreadful. So bad. <laughs> and SmackDown was really good. <laughs> and all the wrestlers were like, I love SmackDown. Ah, oh, interesting. Except for Ricochet, who loved Raw for some reason. Fucking nerds. And Becky Lynch going, I only had uh, Sky 1, so I only got to watch SmackDown, which is true. 
Right, that's your wrestling for the week, folks. That is your wrestling for the week. Uh, as we go off air here, it seems like WWE is going to be doing live Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, they're still going, so I... Uh... I don't know. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. If that if that is in fact the case, we'll see. Um, uh, next week, yeah, we'll we'll chat about more. I'm sure more Disney Plus and uh, our various other watchings and gamings and whatever the wacky world of pro wrestling brings us. We'll have the start of the AEW tournament as well, which might be fun. Uh, yeah. So until next time, folks, please do stay safe and mind yourself and stay indoors at all costs, if at all possible, as much as you can. Obviously, within reason, you got to pop to the shop, get your loo roll, uh, but just one, just one packet, just one packet. Um, uh, yeah, you can follow us at ChairShotPod on Twitter. Go to ChairShotPodcast.com um, to uh, uh, contribute if you'd like to send an email, and I will be back next week. So until then, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye, all you crazy cats and kittens. And it's goodbye. Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye.